Hello, welcome to Really Centralized Interviews, and today we've got Juan Bennett from IPFS. Um, welcome. Thank you. Uh, excited to be here. Thanks so much. Okay, uh, so first of all, tell me about IPFS. What is it? What's it do? Yeah, so IPFS is a distributed file system. Um, it is a protocol meant to upgrade how the web works and make it safer, more open, and um, faster in a lot of ways. Uh, one of the big points, though, is that it changes the power dynamic of how websites and information is, is distributed through the web. Uh, and it takes, it does that by changing the addressing. So instead of addressing things by a DNS domain name that maps to an IP address, uh, which means like a specific set of physical machines that some entity controls, it addresses content by the cryptographic hash of the content or by the cryptographic hash of a key. Um, and so in the content case, uh, then content can just be published onto the network and it has no authority whatsoever. Meaning um, if some image is on the network, it's not necessarily uh, owned by an entity and anyone can link to it, anyone can, can distribute it and so on. And if it's linked by a key, then only the holders of that key hold the authority over that, that content and can update it. Um, but it, it doesn't require any physical infrastructure like an IP address. Uh, anyone can come in and make an update and release the update onto the network and then you know, go offline and the update is carried by the network. So this changes the, the power dynamic of how information is distributed because it makes, um, it takes like the location out of it, which means that you can um, address content directly where it is uh, closest to you when you're trying to retrieve it. So uh, this makes it work a little bit like BitTorrent, right? So imagine that you are trying to fetch a website and all the assets for that website are um, already in computers near you in the same room or in the same building or just even in the same city, then your computer should be able to go and fetch them from that close by location instead of having to go all the way to the back one of the internet uh, to some to the original servers of the website. Mm. Um, mm. As, a, as a way of like summarizing all of the different things, uh, the project is broader and you know, we can dive into many different facets. Uh, there's a lot that we're doing um, in a lot of different realms. But. So does it kind of replace the HTTP in a way? It's like a new protocol you'd use for the same file transfer purposes, but more decentralized? Exactly. The goal is to upgrade uh, and replace uh, HTTP in a lot of contexts. Um, HTTP will still be used for a lot of things like APIs and so on, um, but for any place where you're moving just a static object of content, whether it's a file or it's like some JSON data structure or something, um, many cases you just want to use uh, something like IPFS that allows you to put that, retrieve that content as efficiently as possible and without the, the resiliency guarantees um, that HTTP gives you, right? So like, uh, or, or rather that HTTP doesn't give you. And the part of the point with IPFS is that websites should be able to work in a whole variety of settings that HTTP today does not enable. So things like offline, right? So if you have all of the content that a website represents, why, why can't you run it in your web browser, right? Mm. Or um, mm. if, you have a, a chat application or something like a like a like a document like an Etherpad or a Google Doc or something, and you have all of the computers are relevant, all the people that are relevant are connected physically by the internet in some way, um, but you're just not connected to the backbone or not connected to the rest of the internet and connected to the particular server that this website is hosted on. Why? Like you should continue to be able to work, right? So, the the classic example is like you open your, you're like in the same room and you open say Google Docs or, or a Slack 
chat chat client or something like that and you start chatting away and then suddenly like you're building loose connectivity to the internet or like your office loose connectivity and you can't work anymore because you got disconnected from like the the, the mothership of these websites uh, and it's kind of crazy right so with IPFS you could you should be able to continue working locally and you should be able to continue um, what you're doing, right? Like you should be able to continue chatting with each other if you're physically connected. You should be able to continue working on that Google Doc if you're physically connected. Um, so it can do messaging and notification, can it, as well as doing um, file storage? Yeah, so um, the name IPFS uh, is a little bit, you know, it's sort of presented as like, here's how you can do file storage and so on. Um, but the project is much larger and much broader than that now um, because we had to solve a ton of different peer-to-peer -peer challenges uh, to, to make, to make basic file distribution easy, it turns out that you have to change a lot of how the underlying network stack works. And once you do that, then a bunch of other stuff becomes really easy. So um, messaging a notification on the website, on a website is very similar to file distribution, right? So it's, it's the same fundamental problem. You're moving bits from one computer to another. Um, and if you make it decentralized and you make it able to uh, work efficiently and fast, depending on where people are, then you can just as easily do moving around a large video or, a, or, a, or a images or like the assets of a website, or you can do like, you know, messages for a chat application or do uh, messages for like running an application like Google Docs or something like that. Okay, so from the user's point of view, I guess it's mainly for developers, is it, that you have to call program the API and from an end user, they'd be using it behind the scenes? Yeah, exactly. So um, the majority of the users um, of the of the web would not necessarily know they would be running IPFS, and that's that's a good thing, right? Like uh, we win if the majority of the users just get a better experience, and their websites just get faster and better, and so on, and like just progress happens. Uh, and suddenly they, they they're in a situation where like maybe even they're in a mobile app or in a in a website or something, um, their computer continues to be able to work. Um, given situations that otherwise would cause a failure, right? Like they can reach their, their loved ones when maybe some like disaster happens and um, they can still, you know, their computer can physically connect to their loved one's computers, but, um, but maybe not to like the rest of the world or something, right? And like suddenly all these applications would just work. Um, and yeah, it's, it's primarily targeted at developers. So it's, it's the same way that like uh, HTTP libraries or HTTP, um, servers and so on are not, you know, marketed to end users, they're, they're marketed to the people building applications. Um, and it's the people that are building applications that need to choose the, the technologies that they, they put into their applications. And so they are the, they're going to be the, the direct users of IPFS. Uh, they're building on top of IPFS. They're, they're uh, choosing it as a way to deploy and to um, build their applications. And so that's like the main goal. And the goal is also to, to target out like browser vendors, right? So um, one, one explicit goal is to write patches to the major browsers uh, so that they can put IPFS as a, as a native protocol in, in a web browser. So like that, that'll be a, a really good uh, thing that we can get to. Right. So what, do you see like IPFS getting a, like, a massive take up? And if so, how? What's the kind of roots to that? Yeah, so uh, we've had a tremendous amount of takeoff already. Uh, in fact, greater than we initially expected. Uh, uh, we were with IPFS, we were solving our own problem, and we were building a bunch of tech uh, that we knew would be important and usable by the broader community. Uh, but we didn't expect everyone to jump onto it as fast as everyone has, which is great news. Um, 
and you know there's there's a lot of people using it so we, we don't have accurate numbers on this because a lot of people use it without telling us they just download the code and run it and uh, use it for websites without you know telling anybody and so on um, but but of the users that we do know uh, there is a large reach so we we've seen already billions of files going through the network and we've seen um, uh, uh, thousands of developer downloads uh, closer to like the tens of thousands of those uh, probably thousands of developers are actively using it um, and so that puts like the end users because some of those are actually public websites that have a lot more users be behind them. Um, we would estimate that like the total end users that are touching IPFS resources in some way are probably in the hundreds of thousands, uh, which is a large, uh, which is a large reach already for a project so young, um, and which we already still classify as alpha. Like it's it's much closer to a beta now, um, but we haven't like officially flipped the switch yet. Uh, a lot of people are already using it in production to serve uh, a lot of traffic, uh, and so that's, that's sort of where we are now. Uh, there's some major applications uh, already jumping onto it. Uh, people that are that are building large pieces of technology using primarily IPFS is one of the big building blocks in their in their stack. And yeah. as a, if I'm using it as a developer, do I need to host my own server, or is there enough like people? Can I somehow pay or get access to? Um, so you as a, as a as a the the model the content model of IPFS is something that's um, I think it's one of the, the novel things that we did in that it's not fundamentally novel. It's actually a return to more traditional content models, uh, but it's novel in the peer-to-peer -peer community. So most peer-to-peer -peer file system uh, abstractions have this idea that um, you're pooling the re storage resource amongst the whole members of the network, and when you write something to, to the network, then it gets immediately distributed out to everyone. Um, except perhaps BitTorrent. So one of the things that BitTorrent did was that you had to be explicitly interested in some content before you were uh, participating in distributing it. Um, that's more of that's more of how the the design of the of the client works, right? You download a torrent, then you're participating in distributing a torrent, and then you're done and like you you leave, right? And so IPFS follows that model better, and we. Part of the reason is that uh, when you have something broadly available, like a, a piece of infrastructure technology for everyone to use, um, people will be storing lots of data through it. And you don't, as a user, you don't necessarily want to store other people's stuff, um, even if it was completely encrypted, even if it was uh, uh, completely, uh, you couldn't see what it is or anything. Like you, you just wouldn't want to carry other people's bits, primarily for, uh, in some cases, for performance reasons, and in other cases, just from like a, legality perspective. If you allow anybody to write to you, uh, they might have um, illegal stuff, right? And so when there's illegal content distribution as, as a possibility, then businesses just would not be able to adopt this at all. So it's a non-starter for, I think, a lot of peer-to-peer -peer projects. Uh, it, it's actually a detriment to adoption, um, the fact that it pushes that content model. And yeah. so it forced us to think very carefully about how to construct, how to, how to leverage peer-to-peer -to -peer tech uh, that allows content to be distributed in this way um, to create a system where that can happen happen among the peers that want to distribute content with each other, uh, but doesn't necessarily place an undue burden on the rest of the network. And so what, what came out was like a, a two-tiered architecture. So in like tier one is like the core IPFS protocol that just defines how um, 
the content is addressed and distributed and moved around and so on. And it leaves the, the decisions of who carries what content mm -hmm. up to the higher level of the stack, right? So it says, uh, you have an IPFS node. It has some content that you've put there either by directly adding it to that node or by requesting it to IPFS and pulling it into your node. And once the content is in your node, then you can distribute it and serve it to other people. So you have to explicitly choose to add something or download something with IPFS uh, to then also distribute it. So nobody is pushing content that you don't necessarily want. Um, and you're, you're agreeing to like redistribute stuff that you have retrieved yourself. Um, then uh, on top of that, there's a lot of reasons why people might want to distribute content. A, they are running a website and they want their viewers to download mm -hmm. the content or B, they're participating in some like resource sharing agreement of saying, hey, I, if you back up my files, I'll back up your files. Um, or C, you know, they're doing it as a service. Like they, they say, if I will back up your files, I have a bunch of hard drives and why don't you give me money? And then you, know, like you mm -hmm. can get money some other way. If you give me money, then I'll store your data for you. Uh, and there's other, other ways, but these, these kind of three buckets are cover the economic costs, right? In, in one case, there's uh, the, the distributor of content is gaining some value in some way by distributing the content, so they're totally fine fronting the costs of storing it. In, in the middle case, there's a resource sharing uh, co-op mentality of saying, um, we will account for each other's costs. And in the last case, it's like, I'm directly offering you a service of saying, you pay for the costs of storing all this stuff. I'm just going to make it really efficient for you um, because I have some cost reduction that like, it's cheaper for me to run the hard drives than it is for you. So we, we can create an economic model around it. Right. So something so, like a commercial CDN might charge the person who's putting the content in it, whereas as an end user, I might pay for a cash or something, or, yeah. Yeah. or as a exactly. co-op, like if Wikipedia was in it, then loads of people might just donate storage. Exactly. And so um, IPFS tries to uh, structure the, the addressing and so on such that you can create any one of these models on top of IPFS, and IPFS does not get in your way and it lets you distribute the content however you want to distribute the content, right? So if you're a large website and you are totally fine paying for the storage and the bandwidth uh, for seeding mm. the content, go for it. Um, and then your viewers will help you offset a bunch of that cost as well uh, as they're viewing it and browsing it and so on, but you are responsible for keeping at least the seeds of all the content available. Uh, if you are part of a, a community that is able to, uh, that has a vested interest in backing up and, and sharing some material, for example, like Wikipedia is a great example, or other archives like libraries or um, mm. large, uh, large networks where there's some large, uh, you know, scientific communities, for example, where they have like tons of papers that they need to distribute or tons of data, or, like data in the petabytes uh, that scientists need to make available and download and so on, then they can pull in the resources together and, and agree to distribute the content for each other. Um, yeah. And then maybe designate some specific hosts or entities to to make the stuff available for, for everyone, right? Um, and in the last case, you can create actually an economic structure that allows businesses to emerge that serve stuff for each other. And, yeah. and that actually is a, is a space where, um, where another protocol that we're working on uh, called Filecoin comes in. And so that's where uh, that, that specific case where uh, people are able to, to form a, a market for data distribution, that's, that's where that whole protocol fits. Okay. Um, so given all that, what's the business model for developing the software? I mean, do you have paid developers at the moment? And yeah, we do. So, um, and you know, and the, the story is a little bit like long and, and, and <laughs> how this uh, ended up 
working this way. Uh, so uh, when I set out to build IPFS, I knew that there was going to be a lot um, that we needed to do and a lot that we needed to build. So we were going to need mm -hmm. to uh, get a large development team working on this full time to do it right. Um, just to be able to compete with the decades of optimization that has happened in like the regular centralized uh, environment, right? And so you can't compete with that level of, like if you want to compete with that and that level of, of technical capability in a short time frame, you're just going to need a lot of really great hackers working on this. Um, and so at the same time, I also wanted to leverage whatever success we could get out of IPFS into building something longer and more sustainable where we could create a research lab for, for um, developing new kinds of network protocols where uh, the kind of place that I would have loved to take IPFS into, right? So when I was building IPFS, there was really no, no good option for, for like no good entity of saying, hey, isn't this amazing? Couldn't this like change everything? Like where can I get some resources to just fund this work? Um, and so I want to create the kind of entity that, that would, could take on these kinds of projects. Uh, and so I started a company called Protocol Labs uh, to develop and build IPFS. And the way the Protocol Labs will fund itself is through things like Falcon. So there's a set of protocols that, we, that will involve cryptocurrency. Uh, and that's a, a business model similar to how Ethereum works, where um, a lot of people created this Ethereum protocol. They allocated some cryptocurrency to the foundation that created the protocol and the, and the group that is maintaining and growing the whole network. Um, and they're, they're basically gaining this currency as a reward for having constructed and continuing to construct and grow the network, which is you know, a huge long-term endeavor. Um, and so we, we can do the same kind of structure for Filecoin and Protocol Labs. Uh, and so there, will, there are other protocols that Protocol Labs will create, um, some that lend themselves more to more traditional business models. So for example, IPFS does not make any sense to have cryptocurrency. So uh, other business models like something closer to what CoreOS or uh, Docker or Cloudera have done make sense where you, know, you build this huge open source ecosystem and then um, because you have built this huge open source ecosystem, you have deep expertise into it, you can cause a massive cost reduction on large companies out in the world. And so then you, you have a, a, a business that is geared around building products and services for like Fortune 500 companies. And like that's a very viable model. Um, to us, it's the model, we might explore that for sure in the future for, with IPFS, um, but it's more exciting at the moment to, and it and seems much more promising and, and, and profitable for the lab in, in the long term uh, to follow the, the Filecoin cryptocurrency route um, because that keeps us closer to the protocol layer itself. And it makes the product, like growing the product, like the, the better the protocols do, the, the better protocol apps does. And so it keeps us tied closely to the technology we're actually building. Um, whereas the business models that build products and services to say Fortune 500 companies, um, get optimized around what the products and services for those companies are, not for the world as a whole. So yeah, yeah that's kind of like a, why we, um, we opt for this kind of like business model. There's a lot to say in all of that, but. And how many people do you think are working right now? Um, so Protocol Labs uh, is, you know, we, we passed 10 recently um, and we, uh, it's still a very small team and, uh, but IPFS in general is a much larger community. So, uh, and, and that's one, one of the things is that uh, the IPFS project has Protocol Labs as one of the main participants. Uh, mm. And like it is so far the main participant, but we are, it's a very open project that a lot of other groups are not, have already jumped into. And we want, we welcome and want other, other entities to come in and help us build it in the long term, right? So it's, it's, um, it's an ecosystem. It's not a, a, uh, 
that's why the IPFS is an open source project uh, and we'll be creating a foundation for it in the long term so that it's, it's not just kind of like isolated as a, as a, in its own entity, uh, the way that network protocols should be, should be run. So I have to ask, because it's something only you can answer. So when you started, it was just you working on IPFS originally? Yes. So what, what motivated you? Like, because that must have been quite like, you know, everyone's saying, oh, everyone's tried this before, or this won't ever happen. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I got a lot How of, did you make? Uh, hey, this was tried 10 years ago, and it never worked. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so what yeah. made you do it? Uh, so a lot, of, a lot of things, right? So one is a utter dissatisfaction with the way the network works, and just a clear indication by looking at the protocols and the design of systems that show that it can be done way better. And if you know that something can be way better and, you know, scientifically, like you can look, or from an engineering point of view, you can see, you can unravel all the details and understand why it works one way and not another. Mm. And you realize that it's all kind of more historical and there's a lot of parties that are making a lot of money with the current way that it's structured. And that if you, have just the right protocol, you can like pull this huge lever and just like change how everyone is doing everything and move in a different direction. Mm. Similar to how HTTP changed everything mm. or similar to how TCPIP changed everything. Right? And so um, if you create the right protocol and ship it um, and, and it works effectively and it works the right way, um, then you can have this massive change and you can solve major problems. And so um, it was clear to me that the, it just hadn't, well, well, this kind of thing had been tried many times and it still you know, continues to be tried many times. Um, there hadn't been a solution that took into account a lot of very hard user adoption challenges mm. and application building challenges. So IPFS is a protocol designed for applications to be, to use it, not just for end user to distribute their own files. Right. So, mm. um, when starting, starting off, a lot of people were like looking at this as like a Dropbox, like a distributed Dropbox kind of thing. And that's, that couldn't be further from the truth, right? Like it's, it's about applications and about building something fundamental to how uh, computers move around content. Um, and if you solve that right, and if you put the centralization in that layer, uh, then you cause this like huge change in effect across all other applications. Um, so it's, it's not like an end user product. It's a, it's a, a new kind of way of doing uh, computing, mm. right? And so like, that, that's a different scope and it's much harder in a lot of ways, but it's one of the reasons why a lot of the previous peer-to-peer efforts didn't work. It's, um, it's because they focus too hard on like just end users. Meanwhile, all the major, um, all the major efforts in computing where, you know, like when you think about like what applications you use on a daily basis, what computing do you do on a daily basis? It's all the social network stuff, it's, it's file distribution and so on, all of which is built on very centralized technology. And so to do, to properly re-decentralize the, the network and go mm. back to the original principles of TCP IP and so on, uh, you have to address that. Uh, and mm. you have to address it in such a way that when engineers and developers are constructing a new idea and constructing a new system, it's just way easier and simpler mm. to build decentralization in mm. from the beginning with better tech. Um, than it is to uh, to do the alternatives, right? So. Okay. So f- finally, then, um, so suppose we, yeah, we for IPFS to become more popular than HTTP. Imagine, imagine it. Uh, what? Yeah, and, and it's and, but, uh, to clarify that, like um, HTTP came in to to re- to replace things like FTP and so on, but mm. FTP is still alive and well, right? So it's it's a 
it's a sort of thing where like uh, there are different things for which each protocol is useful yep. for. And yep. so I'll, people are using HTTP in ways that like they really should be using something else like IPFS. And so mm. that's what we're, we're going to be repl right. replacing. Right. So, uh, so we, we never claim to like say like, okay, yep. it's going to be gone. Uh, yep. So in terms of that, what would you say is the biggest limiting factor? Like what do you need most help with? Or Yeah, I think so. The most help um, would come in, in optimization at this point, I think, because we have the core features there already. So we have two implementations, one in Go and one in JavaScript, um, and they mm. both work and they both um, are being used by a lot of people in, in, in various different applications and so on. Um, and we just have this major like lack of optimizations yet because we were very focused at the beginning on just getting feature completeness and you know, dealing with all the feature requests from a lot of people um, to the point where now we have a lot of room for improvement in terms of just optimizing the, the protocols and networks to, and, and like different things about the, the stack uh, to make it really fast and competitive with a, with a current, with other approaches of doing things. And so we think that that would be a great area for, for people to help out on. The other thing is just building applications. Um, if people have a very interesting use case, like just try building on IPFS. Tell us where, where it doesn't fit your needs. Tell us where it breaks. Uh, if you find bugs, please uh, I'll, you know, issues, um, pull requests, very welcome and desired. Like it was, we have a very, very open community. There's like hundreds of contributors. Yeah, to, to, that, to answer the previous question, like there are mm. hundreds of people working on across the, the IPFS ecosystem. Um, and we have a very you know, active IRC channel and a very active um, just GitHub community in general. And uh, it's a very open community. So as people build applications and use IPFS to build new things, um, either new use cases come to mind or um, you push the, the code in different ways that other people haven't. So you'll find other things like either rough edges that we need to fix or potential for like a new feature or potential for new optimization. So all of that information is super useful uh, to all the core developers. Um, so yeah, that's, I would say that that's probably the most useful thing for, for people to do and just like spread the word about it. Fantastic. Thank you very much. It's been yeah. a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much.